Makoto Torokai appears with Shoichi shortly after the battle is done, drawn by the bellowing sound of the horn. He looks around, his eyebrows up, face drawn, taking in the camp, the bodies, the foxes. He lifts his chin, features pulled into a grimace. Shoichi behind him is a mix of awe and terror. Atsu flattens his palms on his thighs and leans down to the poacher on the ground, lips pursed as he inspects him. Dayu stands very still beside him, arms folded. Her name is Syro, you said? The poacher stammers, blinking rapidly in the face of an enormous crab samurai staring down at him. Atsu grunts. He glances at Dayu, lifting his tetsubo from its resting place against the poacher's shoulder. Atsu chuckles humorlessly as he walks away, a slight limp in his step. It is fortunate for you that I am unaccustomed to the laws of this land. He walks past Dayu, pointedly not looking behind him to see what happens. Dayu kneels down low, close enough to hear the poacher's heaving breaths. Now, where is she? The inside of the largest tent is arranged for sleeping. Scattered bedrolls and crumpled blankets lay along the wall. Supplies sit among them, pickled vegetables, rolls of rough spun cloth, and pressed herbs. Between the sleeping quarters and materials for extracting pelts, Crow finds a note. It describes, cryptically, how many foxes to collect and where to find them. Her frown deepens. She swallows and slides the note into her kosode, taking in the sight of the mess, of the corpses of several foxes. How does one even handle such a thing? Bury? Burn? She looks back to the fox and wipes her eye with the back of her wrist. The fox limps towards the entrance of the tent. Crow follows it out. The fox emerges and limps through the center of the camp, stopping near the remains of the fire. Kunisan. Crow's expression is blank as she exits the tent. Crow holds up the folded note in indication. Dayu looks up at Crow, then to the poacher. Her face is impassive, shaded by her wide-brimmed sukigasa. Thank you. May the spirits carry you swiftly to wherever it is you are to go. She stands and turns to walk away, leaving the poacher lying in the dirt. Atsu gives the fallen hornblower a sharp nudge in the stomach, rolling him over. It reveals a large conch horn, a horogai, from earlier. He stoops low and loops his fingers through its woven carrying cord, picking it up from the grass. Dayu glances at Crow, then at the fox. Her expression falters for a moment before it returns to stillness. What have you found? Crow makes her way over to Dayu. She unfolds a note and holds it open for her to read. That several dead foxes in the tent. That... that... taking the blood. Dayu drops her eyes from the note, her lips thinning. She glances at Atsu, who looks like he's about to blow the horn then back to Crow. 
We could use this to call the rest of them here. Yes, we could set a trap. A trap for the trappers. The poacher says he has never met this, Syro. Dayu gestures to the man on the ground. So we will need to keep looking. Torokai grimaces. He crosses to the fallen poacher, who stares up at him wide-eyed. Crow watches emotionlessly. Before he can beg for his life, Torokai quickly drives his katana into his throat, so hard it digs a few inches into the earth below. The man struggles, sputtering out something even as the blade drives in. His eyes go wide, roll, and his cheek touches the grass. A long silence passes. We should burn the camp. Atsu pretends he doesn't hear or see what is happening, and instead nods with an amiable grunt. Crow folds the note and tucks it away. She slows as she spots Shoichi, but looks away quickly back to the fox. Would you like me to carry you? She kneels alongside it and gently reaches out. For a moment, the fox seems to consider. It moves forward a step. Crow smiles and gives the fox a scratch behind the ear, tucking it into the arm pulled inside her kasote. At first the fox gives an unsure whine, but settles in easily, poking its head out. Perhaps we should just leave the corpses for the forest. I do not feel like chopping wood for a bigger fire. When he pats his injured side, pain and regret bloom immediately into his face. We needn't worry about chopping firewood. Atsu shrugs as he rifles through the belongings of the deceased, piling them together to be easily burned. They will not need these anymore anyway. Crow walks over to the corpse near Torokai, her jaw set. Still holding the fox with one arm, she grabs the man's wrist and drags him closer to the camp. Atsu distracts himself with kicking the undergrowth out in a big ring around the spreading fire, an earthy stop sign. Dayu stops halfway towards leaving the clearing, giving a little sigh of relief, or something like it. She paces around the fire in a circle as the others add fuel, encouraging the kami within the fire to grow, hoping they would be happy to assist them in purifying the forest. At first, the fire is dormant, steady. Then, with a sudden snap, it grows. It roars to life, easily devouring the corpses, spreading to the piled tents and futons. The group stands a distance from the blaze, their expressions stoic. Why would they want their blood? There is a popular belief that Kitsune blood grants youth. And that spirit blood, let alone Katsune blood, is especially potent in service of Maho. Her face remains still beneath her hat. It's rumored to be good for health as well. Crow scowls at the dirt. She can't quite think of anything to say to that. Or worse. Vile things have haunted us since we first began traveling together. I wouldn't doubt the intended use for these vials goes far deeper than a simple folktale. Do you think there are other poachers? Or should we head back to the village? Dayu turns back to the flames. She shuts her eyes, falling into a trance somewhat unlike her other rituals. She concentrates, her fingers outstretched, 
Sparks flicker in the fire. It pops. Slowly, the flames melt, solidifying into mud. A moment later, they turn to dry dirt. There are more. Shinjo-san and Hida-san are badly injured. We should return lest we overtax them. Hopefully they'll at least be crippled without that camp. Atsu waves the Horogai. I don't mind. Crow pointedly ignores Atsu waving the conch around. She looks towards the smoldering camp and frowns. Let's head back then. Atsu shrugs, tying the conch's rope through his obi. Perhaps he'd give it a blow every once in a while and see who was foolish enough to show up. Crow spends the walk back to the village, mindful of the fox and her kosote, occasionally offering bits of meat and giving it little scratches behind the ear. Atsu, Dayu, and Torokai walk in silence. Shinjo Shoichi trails behind quietly, an air of nervousness to him. It is afternoon by the time they arrive back to Kitsune Morimura, when villagers and travelers gather around small food carts and fill the crowded noodle houses that dot the market street. Once in a while, villagers stare and murmur at the sight of a silver fox poking out of Crow's Kasode. Hirokai and Shoichi immediately depart for Kitsune Toshio's dwelling, while the others disperse into the town. Atsu staggers his way over to the blacksmith's forge as he clutches his side. The sight of an enormous bloodied Hida disturbs the villagers' calm. Some attempt to cover him with kimonos they are washing in large bins. As Atsu wordlessly reaches for a piece of heated iron, the small gray-haired man serving as the blacksmith stares at him, mouth agape. Hida-san! Atsu's eyes bulge as he slowly unclenches his bloody fingers from his side. He grips the glowing piece of iron with both hands on the unheated side. There is a smell of burning flesh and a hissing singe as he drags the hot metal over his wound. He strains and swallows a kihai, teeth gritted, sweat pouring down his face. It stings, and the pain threatens to overtake him knock him from consciousness, but it stops the bleeding, and it will likely prevent infection. It will almost certainly leave a scar, an uneven scrawl that spreads across the width of his body. Atsu drops a hot iron onto the ground with bloodshot eyes and a murmured, Thank you. More than a few horrified stares follow his retreating back. He claims an unoccupied spot in the hot springs, cleaning and dressing his wounds with painstaking care and quaking hands. Then he staggers towards the inn with leaden footsteps. Word of Atsu's condition spreads quickly enough. When he does not answer a soft announcement at his door, several servants sent by Kitsune Toshio enter with water, wet cloths, and a very large kimono. They clean his wounds, confident that he will not wake. Crow brings the fox with her to a small private stream at the edge of the tree line. She sets out a few pieces of meat alongside the water, then strips to the waist to scrub the blood from her skin and clothing. The fox stays close, 
eating in silence. When she and the fox are done, she heads back into town, seeking a more substantial meal for them both, then heads to the hot springs. It accompanies Crow to the springs, trailing behind with its tail brushing the grass. The fox doesn't complain. Dayu heads directly for the spring, eager to shed her bloody clothing. Her only other set of clothes is the expensive kimono she purchased for the lion wedding. She sighs, stares at it for a while, then starts off. The hot springs are relatively unoccupied, likely due to Atsu's earlier arrival. What few bathers remain murmur amongst each other as they take in the sight of a silver fox. Crow submerges to the nose, eyes shut. She stays like that for some time before swimming over to Dayu, who floats nearby. Dayu greets Crow with a raise of her hand. Crow smiles and dunks her head, running her hands through her hair. So, what did you learn from the one you left alive? Few poachers remain. Five if the information is to be trusted. They act under an outsider's command, a mysterious her. They mention the name Cyro. Hmm. Do we have any idea where they are? No. Their master concerns me most of all. <sighs> yes. Hopefully we can use one of the remaining ones to trace back to... to her. Dayu nods. Enjoy your evening. She leaves settling at the base of a large suki. She draws a collection of scrolls from her case, preparing for several demanding hours of study, practice, and recitation. Through concentration or the sheer assistance and presence of Akami and spirits, Dayu memorizes a scroll faster than is her usual. The fox's ears flick as Dayu leaves. It seems unsure whether to stay or go, and inches forward into the range of the spring, dips its paw, and sits. Crow looks somewhat self-conscious. She floats around for a few more minutes before wading over to the fox. Are you hungry? The fox blinks. It turns its head, ears back. It looks what could be called thoughtful. It whines, which seems as good as a no as any. Crow nods. She gets out of the spring, dries off, and heads upstairs to change into her nicer kimono for the evening. She heads to Kitsune Oden for dinner, where she is quiet and keeps to herself. Afterwards, Crow collects the fox and starts towards the headman's home. Torokai and Shoichi are still at Kitsune Toshio's dwelling when she arrives. Torokai bows at Crow's approach, his pained look disappearing in favor of a warm smile. Shoichi lingers in the doorway. Crow-san, we have just finished speaking with Toshio, if you wish to see him. Crow seems caught off guard by Shoichi's presence. Her step falters for half a second, 
and she tries to smooth over the bristling. She bows in greeting, at a slight delay. Shoichi pretends not to notice, tries. He smiles and offers a similarly delayed bow. <clears throat> I hope you find your time here restful, Shinjo-san. Thank you, Kurosan. Ah, hope you found rest as well. Shoichi bows, perhaps more deeply than is necessary, and looks at the silver fox sitting a few paces from Crow. He squints, bows again, and starts off towards the springs. <clears throat> I take it you will discuss the poachers, yes? That was my intent, yes. Did you have concerns? There is a small delay. Torokai looks at the fox, back to Crow, clears his throat, and smiles. I do, Crow-san. I apologize. I'm still reeling from the day's events. Crow bows deeply as she enters Kitsune Toshio's chambers. Lines of stress mark his face, but he conceals it well. Crow-san, it is good to see you. Toshio-san, I apologize for bearing ill tidings. We encountered a camp of poachers nearby. Unfortunately, it... It sounds as though there are still a few left. Toshio's face falls, but it is not due to surprise. His hands tighten behind his back. For a moment, his chin touches his chest, then he straightens and takes in a deep breath. Akoda-san has informed me. I am grateful to you and your companions for assistance in this. It is no trouble, Kitsune-san. Toshio calls over a servant while eyeing the silver fox at Crow's heel. Once the woman at his side produces a small bag, he draws out a string of zenny in indication, tucks it back inside the small brown bag, and hands it over. I offer a koku for your troubles, Crow-san. I offer my deepest thanks as well, to all of your companions. Shoichi-san told me of Hida-san's injury. Crow stares at the koku. A long moment of silence passes before she holds up her hands, shaking her head. I thank you for the offer, but no payment is necessary. Toshio presses the koku into her palm insistently, shaking his head. I insist. Crow shakes her head, then bows. She doesn't accept the money. Toshio's eyebrows lift in surprise. He does not press again. He smiles and retracts the bag. Crow straightens once she's positive he's not going to offer it again. He is on his strong. I'm sure he'll be alright. But I'll check on him again before I retire for the evening. Hidasan seems strong indeed. When word of poachers reached his clansmen, I fear one of them may have gone searching. Kasumi, I think her name was. Kasumi-san. Hmm. Do you know when she set out? Earlier in the afternoon. Two others went after her, but she was... <laughs> determined. She seemed... well, more than capable, but that's so close to dark. For many of the Hira, passion sometimes overcomes logic. Do you think we should... Do you think we should try to find them? Do not concern yourself. They wouldn't have gone far so late. Nor perhaps they don't know what comes out at nightfall. I'd rather not assume they know, but Hida-san is in no shape to leave the village tonight. I... I don't want them to get hurt. I know the forest around the village fairly well. 
Perhaps I could go in search of them. Dayu eventually wanders in as if she were invited, bowing awkwardly to the servants as she does. Toshio bows to Dayu as she enters. Kunisan, I will send samurai to search for them if you wish, Krosan. You should not trouble yourself. Both Crow and Torokai nod to Dayu as she enters. Toshio's suggestion is a sound one, and so Crow nods to him as well. It would... it wouldn't be any trouble. But that would set my mind at ease, Toshio-san. Toshio smiles, though it's a bit thin, or worried. He bows. If that is your wish. Crow smiles at him. In, in regards to what the poachers were doing... Crow reaches into her kimono, pulling out the note they found at the camp. She hands it to him. It wasn't just the pelts. They were... They were draining the foxes of their blood. Dayu does her best to fill herself in using context clues. Someone is missing, but the who's and why's are lost to her. She prepares to ask a question, but her mouth slams shut when Crow speaks of the blood. Toshio's features wrinkle in concern. He snatches the note from her hands. His fingers press into the paper. <clears throat> was there... He looks to the fox, back to Crow. Was there anything else? No. Not that I can think of. Only that the poachers were hired by a woman. We don't know who she is. Toshio nods his eyes scanning the note for some time longer before he hands it back to Crow. Were you able to learn her name? Sairo. Do you know her, Kitsune-san? Toshio folds his arms, cupping his chin in thought. Sairo. Sairo. I... There was a samurai the Fox Clan made Ronin some time ago. Perhaps that is her new name. Why was she made Ronin? For poaching? Dayu bows her head. I intend no disrespect, Kitsune-san. But do you have reason to suspect this Ronin of such an act? Toshio looks to Dayu, his face impassive. A tremor passes across it, then fades. She was made Ronin for poaching, yes. And for... desecration of Foxlands. I did not know her true motive, but was present for her trial. It's a starting point, at least. Torokai folds his hands into his sleeves, his grave expression unchanged. Indeed. A repeat offender, then. More evidence to a worst-case scenario. There are more poachers out there. Hopefully one of them can provide a trail back to Syro. Crow nods in agreement with Dayu, perhaps for the first time ever. It is difficult to say if she is indeed that fox samurai. But it may well be her. It makes more sense than any unknown. They have prior knowledge of the area. Perhaps a grudge. Crow nods. After a moment, she perks up, remembering something. She moves out of the way and gestures to the fox. There was one fox left alive. I'm happy to take care of them until they're better. But I thought you should know. Do you recognize them? Toshio looks to the fox his eyebrows coming together in an inspection, then sudden recognition. He kneels, looks to its paw, and following a questioning look, inspects it. 
Yes, I do. This is... Sakiko, Crow said. He stands, then looks to Crow and bows deeply, both to Crow and the fox. Thank you for returning her safely. Crow smiles at the fox. She bends down to scratch behind her ear. <sighs> Sakiko. The fox leans into her hand and whines, faltering a bit on her injured paw. I'm glad we were able to. But... I... I wish we could have helped the others. Toshio smiles sadly. That you were able to help any is a blessing. Especially Abiyako. Crow looks at Toshio with a confused expression, but smiles and nods all the same. Dayu butts in with all the grace of a falling boulder. We should prepare. Leaving in the night is unwise. We should make the most of our time before morning. Crow nods. She glances down to Sakiko. You're welcome to come with us if you'd like, Sakiko-san. Whatever your preference is. I'm just glad you're well. Thank you, Samurai. If you will not accept payment, at least make use of the springs at your leisure. <laughs> I suppose that's an offer I can accept. She bows and takes her leave with the others, back to their end rooms. Sakiko is hesitant, but follows. She sleeps near the doorway, her eyes fixed on the cracked window and sliver of moonlight for some time before they shut. The next morning is cloudy, with the dewy remains of a light overnight rain clinging to the grass. Crow wakes early. Sakiko is nowhere to be found. Opting not to search for her right away, she heads down to the inn's common area. Dayu also rises early, and an air of urgency clings to her. She offers a curt bow to anyone that does so first. She eats what little she manages at a hurried pace, nodding her head in greeting, her eyes mostly covered by her hat. Hatsu emerges from his room, knuckling his eyes. He looks down at himself confusedly, smoothing his hands over the clean clothes and fresh bandages. He peeks left and right down the hallway for clues, finding none. Eventually, he stiffly makes his way to the dining room for breakfast, moving like an aged elephant. Hirasan, are you alright? Oh, Krosan. I am much better than our foes at least, wouldn't you agree? Crow laughs at Otz's response. Happy, but surprised, that he's well. She nods in agreement before finishing off her rice and tea. She quickly orders another bowl. Ah. He lowers himself very slowly onto an empty pillow, greeting a villager with a wide grin. He eats a little less than he normally does, likely on account of lingering pain. Thanks to the rest of you, I am not ashamed to say... Crow shakes her head and tips her chopsticks towards Dayu. <laughs> no, thanks to Kuni-san. Thanks to all of you, but no less to Kuni-san either. Dayu can't tell if she's being praised or accused of murder. It shows. Crow takes her second bowl of rice with her when they leave, looking around the area for Sakiko. The fox lingers behind the inn, finishing off the remnants of a recent hunt 
a small field mouse. She perks up at Crow's approach, eagerly, neatly finishing off the remnants of her rice. We're going out into the forest to take care of the poachers today. Perhaps it's best if you stay here for that. You're welcome to sleep in my room if you'd like. She gives her a scritch behind the ear, then departs with Atsu, intent on gathering what information she can about Syro or the poachers. Dayu finds a clearing a short distance from the village and settles into the soft grass, willing her mind to blank. She focuses, every hair on her arms standing on end. After a long, silent pause, the wind picks up, tussling her hair and knocking her hat aside. It hangs from the string around her chin. An Arakami presents themselves to her with a flourish of leaves and petals, their vaguely human-like face as changing as the wind. A pair of bluish-white eyes stare back at her. Dayu smiles and bows her head low. Thank you, Kamisama. Please, tell me. The forest has seen much conflict. Where are the poachers based? Where are they entering the forest from? The Kami has a light, high voice, far away and waving with the winds. Poachers? The land has seen many of these last few moves. They come from the north, the west, the east. There is a pause, a gust of wind. The trees rustle. They enter the forest from the west, near the river. Dayu offers the kami a few of her shiniest boo, so that they might toss them around and play with them. The kami tosses the coins up, around, over in a flourish of wind. Why do you see them, painted one? Dayu bows low. I understand they disrupt the balance of this forest and seek to harm the kitsune that live here. I seek to stop them and to discover why they have done such unspeakable things. A gust whistles through the trees, fading to a small breeze that rustles Dayu's short hair. The coins clink together, then swirl in a figure eight in front of her. You seek balance, painted one? You will find them in the western forest, near a shrine. Follow their fires and smoke. A chill runs up Dayu's spine at the mention of their proximity to a shrine. You have been most helpful, Kamisama. I am in your debt. There is another pause, long enough that Dayu assumes the Kami has disappeared. A gust rustles her hair. The coins clink, clink, clink back into her palm. The voice of Akoto Torakai was provided by Walt Oshab.
For all the latest updates in our podcast, be sure to check us out on Twitter at SITWL5R. You can also join our Discord server to talk L5R, tabletop, and everything in between. Shadows in the West is played using the fourth edition of the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game, developed by Alderac Entertainment Group and owned by Fantasy Flight Games. 